Today is February 23rd, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. We're back with some more boxing talk. Fresh off another outstanding weekend in the sport of boxing. If you've been paying attention, you can look up and realize the last five weekends in a row have all delivered high-quality matchups. That's a credit to the matchmakers, the networks, the fighters, the promoters. Everyone's doing a great job right now. And mind you, could we sit here and talk about what could be better? Yeah, we can. But when I say we've just had over a month straight of great action, we have to give credit where it's due. You have people like Ring Magazine, who once was well-respected. I have a 100-year anniversary Ring Magazine right next to me as we speak. 100-year anniversary. Shout out to Cliff Rold. He did excellent work in that magazine, and I will purchase another edition if he himself is the one updating it. But as a whole, that magazine has become a joke. They're publishing a magazine, I believe it's this month's edition, and the headline or the cover of it is Bashing the Sport, What's Wrong with Boxing? These journalists, and I say that term really loosely. These journalists are the first people in line to bash this sport. A wise man once said, I wish I remembered who said it so I can quote them correctly, but a wise man once said, nobody hates boxing more than the people who cover it. And I agree with that statement because that's really all they talk about is the fights that they're not getting. Oh, why aren't we getting this? Why aren't we getting that? Why don't you cover the things that we are getting? That would uplift the sport. If you had highlights on ESPN or these other mainstream sports outlets of the fights that we've got in the last five weeks in a row, people would be buzzing a little bit more than they are. Mind you, there is a good portion of boxing fans that love it and that talk about it in a positive light. But I'm talking about these guys that get paid to cover the sport and the things they choose to put out there is something that isn't happening. Well, why aren't we getting this fight right now? This is what's hurting the sport. No, what's hurting the sport is you talking about stuff we're not getting. Talk about what we are getting. Last weekend, we got my fight of the year and not enough people saw it. If you missed it, fire up your DAZN app, check it out immediately. Luis Neri, Versus Aznat Havanesian, a.k.a. Crazy A. This was an all-out war. Excellent fight. If it's not your fight of the year so far, it's got to be in your top two. Excellent, excellent action. Both guys gave it their all. I'm not going to spoil the the um, the result. If you're going to go watch it, that could take a little away from it if you know who's going to win already. But just go back and watch it. The winner put themselves in line for whoever wins the eventual fight between Naoya Inoue, the monster, versus cool boy Stephen Fulton. That is another fight that people aren't talking about enough. The press needs to be all over these good action fights that we're getting, at least here in the U.S. I know um, I have listeners from other parts of the world, and I thank you guys. 
most of the listeners are from America. So I'm mostly talking about where I'm from and where I, what I experience. If it's different there, I believe it is actually different in other countries. The UK doesn't seem to be this negative. Maybe they are, but they seem like they're excited for everything. They pack their arenas over there. Here in the US, we're just negative about everything. Not even just sports. Really everything when it comes to news. But boxing news, I mean, this is a great sport. It's a fun sport to watch. I don't know why we have these journalists that cover it in that way. Like, oh, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. What about what's right? We're getting a lot of things right here, and it's time to appreciate it. This weekend, we're getting more. Speaking of last weekend, though, before I get to this weekend, last weekend, fight of the year for me was on the zone. Also on the zone was Mauricio Lara versus Lee Wood, a title fight. That one delivered as well. Lara going into Lee Wood's backyard, pulling out the victory, back and forth the entire fight. Lara really put it on late, dropping Lee Wood. Lee Wood does get back to his feet, but doesn't respond well to the punches that are being thrown his way. Kind of a controversial ending. Um, His trainer, Lee Wood's trainer, threw in the white towel, gave it up. There was only a few seconds left in the round. You could definitely argue that the stoppage was premature. I'm always on the fence with these. This is a really tough decision. When you're the trainer, it is your number one priority to protect the fighter. Regardless of how many seconds are left in that round, you have to think about the health of the fighter. Did he get up? Yes. But he didn't respond well. Would I have liked to see him get time um, in between rounds and, and get evaluated in that time? I would have. It was a great fight. I wanted to see it continue. But I understand why you throw the flag or throw the towel in, why you protect your fighter from taking more damage. It was a scary shot, got hit clean, got dropped badly. Um, He was also taking a decent amount of punishment throughout the fight. So that comes into play. Knowing how much of a puncher Mauricio Lara is, that comes into play. And also, you know that most trainers and fighters develop a relationship become close with one another. You don't want to see someone you really care about take any more damage than they need to. That's another thing to consider. It's easy for us to sit in our comfy couches and maybe have an alcoholic beverage or two and watch on a screen and say, oh man, they should have let it go. Yeah, selfishly, we want to see better action or more action. And that was taken away from us, but You have to put yourself in the shoes of the trainer. He saw his fighter take a bad shot. In his mind, he didn't want him to continue. That's the right decision then. Whatever he was thinking in that moment, that's the right decision because his job is to protect the fighter. It's up to the fighter now to go back and say, hey, am I going to fire this guy for that? Is that something like, do I feel like I could have continued? Well, maybe Lee Wood did feel that way, but he didn't express it, that's for sure. He didn't seem like he had any issue with the fight being stopped when it was stopped. I'd like to see a rematch. Hopefully they can make that happen. But either way, Mauricio Lara is the guy now at 126 pounds. He now holds victories over Josh Warrington and Lee Wood. So Lara has definitely proven himself. He's young. He's hungry. He's a big puncher. He's a threat to anybody in that division. I want to see him unify if he doesn't get the rematch with Lee Wood. Josh Warrington, I'm sure he's clamoring for another fight. Lara already beat him. Um, The second fight was stopped because of a cut. And then Lara spit in his face on his way out of the ring. So they definitely have bad blood. But I don't know if Josh Warrington 
really deserves a rematch as much as Lee Wood does. So we'll see what happens there. There's a lot of moving parts at 126. That's kind of a sneaky, fun division if you really think about it. A lot of good matchups to be made, just not a lot of big stars in that in that weight class. Speaking of fun divisions, this Saturday on Showtime, you could argue three of the best divisions in all of boxing are going to be all on display. 135, 140, and 147 all bringing a matchup in a Showtime triple header, which will be main evented in the deepest division in all of boxing. Well, 154 is my favorite division because of the combination of talent and the fights that we're actually getting, the matchups that we're getting every single uh, year and every every few months that we're getting at 154, the fact that it's been going on for almost a decade now of excellent matchups, that's why I think it's the best. But pure talent-wise, deepest, I have to go 140. This weekend... We're getting an excellent matchup at 140 between Subrio Matias and Hermias Ponce for the IBF Super Lightweight Championship. This is a vacant title vacated by Josh Taylor. If you remember correctly, Josh Taylor was the undisputed champion. He has since vacated three out of the four belts. This is one of those belts. We've already seen Alberto Puello pick up the WBA title. And we saw Regis Progre become the WBC champion. This is a stacked division. So Matias and Ponce are fighting for the IBF title. And this is going to be a fun matchup. Matias, for my money, is the best puncher in the division. You could argue Regis Progre. You could argue um, Gary Antoine Russell. Those guys are big punchers, but for my money, Matias is just the best. One-punch knockout power. This guy is 18-1, 18 knockouts. His one loss, he avenged it with a KO stoppage. This dude's the real deal. He throws with bad intentions. It is going to be tough for anyone to deal with him for 12 rounds. Like I said, one loss on his record, and that was a close one. And in the rematch, he left no doubt. But he is matched up tough here. This isn't going to be easy. While I favor Matias, this fight is not going to be a cakewalk whatsoever. Armias Ponce is 30-0, 20 knockouts. He's no slouch. He's coming there to win a championship. He's a little bit taller than Matias. He has, I believe, a slight reach advantage. But Matias has long arms, 72-inch reach. This is going to be a tough fight. Matias, I think his best chance is to get on the inside. And while that may sound crazy going against a huge puncher like Matias, I think Matias's power tails off a little bit at close range. I think he needs a little space. He's more of a mid-range hooker. That left hook especially is extremely deadly coming from Matias, but he also has a powerful straight right hand. If Ponce can get inside that, and it's not going to be uh, simple. He has to work his way in there with a jab, some head movement, uh, patience, most importantly. He cannot rush in there. Ponte's going to have to work his way in, but I think if he works his way in, he can have success. He throws with combinations. Um, he has, I think, maybe a little more speed than Matias. Not as much pop, not as much technique, but Ponte is a very tough fighter. Like I said, 30-0. This guy doesn't go in there to lay down. He's coming to bring it. 
to Matias, and I think that is his best his best strategy. If you stand there tit for tat and box with him, you're going to get hit with something big. You have to find a way in, force Matias on his back foot. When a guy, a power puncher especially, is on his back foot, he's not going to be as effective. Try and push Matias back. Easier said than done. I like Matias. Late stoppage. Guys just simply don't go the distance with this dude. It's only happened one other time. Either way this goes, though, it should be entertaining for as long as it lasts. Two guys that want to establish dominance, they're not looking to, to stand back and just jab all night. These guys are throwing with bad intentions. Somebody is going down. The question is who? Both guys have a great KO percentage. The winner of this fight, I'm sure, will look to unify with either Alberto Pueyo or Regis Progre. And I like the matchups either way. Either way this plays out, we're going to get good fights. That's a good thing about this division. Very stacked. Uh, rumors are Tiafimo Lopez and Josh Taylor have agreed to fight in June. Again, I say that very loosely. Agreed to fight. Nothing signed. So don't take it as a finalization of the fight. Because that is not true. These Another complaint here, while I'm talking about these reporters and journalists of they love to report agreed fights or or these guys are in talks. Look, yeah, it's cool sometimes to hear, oh, these guys are in talks. Okay, but if the fight doesn't happen, you're just wasting our time. So if we don't hear anything about a fight and then you get an announcement out of nowhere, this fight's official, that's the best. I don't want to hear every step of a negotiation from when these guys had a cup of coffee together to when they're taking a plane ride together. Like I don't care. Until the fight is signed, why are you telling us this? So that Teofimo versus Josh Taylor thing, while it sounds like it's going to happen, they haven't signed anything yet. So why are we reporting it? We shouldn't even know of this yet. But if that happens, that will be an excellent matchup. That will be for a championship. And it's rumored that Regis Progre and Jack Catterall would then meet up and make a fight of their own which would be an outstanding matchup. Jack Catterall feels he was robbed against Josh Taylor, and he definitely should feel that way. I personally had Jack Catterall winning that fight. They were supposed to have a rematch. Things got pushed back multiple times. This most recent one was an injury by Josh Taylor. I spoke about it on the last edition. Who knows if that was a real injury or not, but supposedly the contract that was written up for them didn't have any language that involved remaking the fight or coming back to the table and having to negotiate the fight again. So both guys are free to do whatever they want. Josh Taylor obviously sees Tiafimo Lopez as a much bigger fight and probably an easier fight. So that's a really a no-brainer from Josh Taylor's perspective. So however this stuff plays out at 140, we're going to get excellent matchups in the division. We're not talking about it enough boxing journalists out there, start talking about 140. Such a deep division. You can go literally 15 deep on this division and get excellent matchups any which way you look. That is rare. For any era, any division, 15 guys deep where you can match up and have outstanding, exciting fights, that's something special. And I think more people need to pay attention to 140. But it's not just about 140. On that card, you have... Lightweights at 135, Elvis Rodriguez versus Joseph Adorno. I'm really looking forward to this one. 
Elvis Rodriguez was a highly touted prospect out of the Dominican Republic. He was destined for big things. He lost a fight against Kenneth Sims Jr. Kenneth Sims Jr. is a really, really good fighter. And after that loss, top rank was done with Elvis Rodriguez. Boxing is a rough sport. One loss to a really good fighter, and they they kicked him to the curb. They got him out of there. And he was picked up by the PBC. He is now fighting on Showtime. This will be his third fight, I believe, with PBC. And he's looked excellent ever since joining. Seems like that loss really lit a fire under him. It was a majority draw, excuse me, a majority decision loss. So it wasn't like he got completely blown out. He definitely lost the fight. But again, to a very good fighter. And now he's kind of had a restart to his career. Seems really motivated. And he's going to need to be motivated because he's up against the toughest challenge since his loss to Sims. Rodriguez is 13-1-1. He is matched up against Joseph Adorno, who is 17-1-2. His only loss was to Michelle Rivera. That fight went the distance, and he's won three straight since that loss. So two guys, Adorno and Rodriguez, both have had a loss before. Both are highly motivated. Both need this victory to get to where they were touted to be. These guys were supposed to be the next big thing when they broke onto the scene. Both took a loss. Let's see who can bounce back because there's plenty of competition at 135. These guys got to separate each other to see who really can rise to the top. That division is stacked. It's not going to be easy. So these guys are going to have to take tough fights and they're both doing it on Showtime. This is a good co-main event. Actually, I think this is the opener. This is probably the opener of the triple header because you have a guy... Jamal James, who has a really good fan base in Minnesota, he will most likely be the co-main event. He's stepping back into the ring his first time since the loss to Butayev. Butayev was just on fire in that fight. He, he let off so many punches. He won by TKO. Butayev is just a mauler with a ton of craft on the inside, so there's no shame in losing to Butayev. We'll see how he bounces back. That was only the second loss of his career. But now he's matched up against a former Olympian, Alberto Palmetta from Argentina. Palmetta is a slick boxer, uses his movement very well, likes to jab. He's a southpaw. Um, the jab to the stomach is exceptional. I think he has a good chance of upsetting Jamal James. Jamal James is a good fighter. Jamal James is really good at everything, but I wouldn't say he's great at anything. It may sound harsh, but he's a tough he's a tough guy. He's a good fighter. I just can't pinpoint what he's best at. He's a guy that's kind of caught in between two styles. I don't know if he's a brawler. I don't know if he's a boxer. He does everything well. Just nothing stands out to me. Paul Meta could get him into a false sense of security. I think his jab can carry him to an upset victory because James may be looking at him like he's not a big puncher. But I've seen him on Showbox stop guys in the final round. Correct me if I'm wrong, this might be his first time on Showtime, like championship boxing on the main show. He's been on Showbox a few times, but I don't know. This might be the biggest stage Palmet has been on at the pro level, but this is a former Olympian. This is a guy who's been on a big stage before. He's going to be ready. He's going to be prepared 
to upset Jamal James, and I would not be shocked if it happens. I actually think Paul Meta has the best chance on this card for an upset. We'll see if I'm right. Either way, I'm expecting three highly competitive, fun action fights. This should be a good weekend in boxing. Carrying on the momentum from last week, like I said, fight of the year to me last weekend. This weekend, we got this card. And you also, for those of you interested, on Sunday, you have Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury, a fight that is kind of a circus fight, but at the same time, you have a guy in there with Jake Paul who is a professional fighter. They've been saying they want to see him in there with boxers. Hey, now he's in there with a boxer. I know Anderson Silva was a boxer. He, he beat him. Now he's in here with a guy who's strictly a boxer. Anderson Silva, obviously more known for being a legendary MMA fighter. Tommy Fury comes from a legendary boxing family, I guess you could say. His, his brother is Tyson Fury. But we're going to see. Uh, these guys have been talking trash to each other for years. I find it pretty entertaining. I don't know how entertaining the fight will be. I've seen Tommy Fury fight. He's a guy who looks like Tarzan, fights like Jane. Nothing good about his game at all. If if Jake Paul loses to him, then it's a massive hit to his reputation, in my opinion. I know people already think it's a joke, but the right hand of Jake Paul isn't a joke. This is a guy who can actually punch, as evidenced by the guys he's knocked out. Say what you want about their boxing ability. He's knocking men unconscious. Men who not only are pro athletes, but fought Grin in a different area, a different sport, but they're used to fighting, they're used to getting punched, they're used to being in physical combat. Jake Paul's knocking these guys out. Flat on their back, flat on their face. Highlight reel type knockouts. That right hand possesses power. It's by far the best punch in the fight from either fighter. Tommy Fury... I mean, I guess he's he has a decent jab, I guess. Decent compared to like the guy at your local gym. Yeah, it's pretty decent. If he can fire that off and skate his way to a victory, I think that will be the easiest path. I don't see him with enough power to knock out Jake Paul. I don't see him landing with enough precision or standing and trading with a guy like Jake Paul. I think Tommy Fury is a guy that's in it because of his family. He was from like a reality show, I believe. Guy wants to be a model. Look at his opponents. People laugh at Jake Paul's opponents. Look at Tommy Fury's opponents. This is a guy he fought with 100 losses. I'm not making that up. One zero zero amount of losses. You know how many wins the guy had? Less than 10. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Go look them up for yourself. But they're embarrassing. The guys he's fought are no-name guys. My mechanic, I think, fought him. Like He's fighting random people. Jake Paul is fighting guys who aren't boxers, but at least they're known people in this universe. Tommy Fury, and not just Tommy Fury. Don't get me wrong. Most professional boxers start their career fighting no-name, low-level talent. Unless you're a highly, highly touted guy, you're not getting matched up tough early on. You're just not. So anyone having a problem with Jake Paul's opponents, look throughout the history of boxing. Your favorite fighter was fighting bums in his first five to six fights, or maybe even more than five or six fights, depending on who you are and where you started your career. 
It's just the guy is making so much money, all this attention's on him, so people want to nitpick it. I personally have no problem with it. It's not taking away anything in the sport of boxing. We're still getting fantastic cards. This, I just look at as like an additional thing, more of an entertainment type thing, not more, not like a championship level. And I know the WBC said they're going to rank whoever wins this fight in their cruiserweight division. People got all upset about that. Like, how can you rank these guys top 10? Listen, when they say they're going to rank someone, they're talking about the top 40 rankings. And when you're talking about cruiserweight, a division that is been a, has been a roller coaster throughout its existence, really. You've had some great eras of cruiserweight, and then you've had some bad eras. You've had the era where um, Holyfield was reigning supreme. That was a good era. You had the era where Usyk cleared out the division. That was a really deep, fun cruiserweight era. This division, this era, is watered down. The guys, um, there's only a couple guys really lingering around from the Usyk, from Usyk's reign that are still in cruiserweight. But most people can't name 40 cruiserweights. So the fact that people are upset that they're going to rank the winner of this fight in the top 40, I mean, who cares? The division's not good. It's just there, kind of. It's, it's, it's a division that has historical value. It can be a fun division. I mean, when you have talent in it, it's definitely a fun one. But right now, you only have like four or five good fighters in that division currently. And most of them are aged. So right now, it's really wide open. Right now would be the time for one of these guys to get a shot at one of these champions. And hopefully, they can get a guy on a bad night and become world champion, which would be insane. Jake Paul as a world champion would print money. I'm just saying. But speaking of cruiserweight, you do have two good cruiserweights on the co-main of this card. You have Makabu against Badu Jack. Badu Jack is a guy who just finds a way to cash these checks, man. Shout out to whoever's managing him. I don't know if he's still affiliated with Floyd Mayweather. I know he was at one point. But he definitely learned something from Floyd because this guy finds a way to get on every high-profile card. He was on the Tyson versus Roy Jones card. He was on the Mayweather-Conor McGregor card. He was on a previous Jake Paul card or one of them. Um, maybe the Mayweather-Paul, I think the Mayweather-Logan Paul card. This guy just finds a way to get on these cards, but this time he's actually in a competitive fight. The last few fights, he's just been running through no-names. This is a good one. Junior Makabu, Ken Punch, most notably, was mentioned as an opponent for Canelo. Actually, had like a face-off with Canelo when Canelo was teasing that he might move up to Cruiserweight to try and get a title there. Um, he thought Makabu was an easiest path, uh, his easiest path to get there. That was before he lost to Bivol, and then he probably got those ideas out of his mind. Makabu is a big puncher. He's slow, um, doesn't have the best footwork, but he's a big puncher. Badu Jack, a little older, still great body puncher, has a good jab, but he fades in fights. He's known for fading in fights. That is why he has so many draws on his record. It's kind of a shame. He could have been much bigger as far as stature goes in the sport if he got some of those victories. He took his foot off the gas in a lot of these. He has nobody to blame but himself. Hopefully he learned from that. Hopefully he can go 12 full rounds and capture a cruiserweight title here against Junior Makabu. That should be a fun slugfest. I expect a lot of hard-hitting action. Both of these guys bring it. Neither guy is looking to take a step back. 
So that should bring some entertainment value at least on that Logan Paul, excuse me, Jake Paul versus Tommy Ferry card. I don't know what else is even on the card. I don't care enough to look. You guys, we all have smartphones. Go and check it out if you're interested in that. But that is Sunday night. That's a Showtime pay-per-view. I'm not telling you to buy it. I'm just telling you. It's on pay-per-view. It's there if you want to see it. But all eyes for me are Saturday night, Showtime, triple header. That is going to be a lot of fun. Tune in, enjoy it, and tell your friends. Tell everybody, not only about this podcast, but about the great fights that are going on in boxing. Because we're getting him every single week. Just got to open your eyes. Pay attention. Hear that Ring Magazine. You guys can talk about all the bad stuff all you want. All these announcements about fights that we're not getting. I don't care about that. I choose to be positive. I'm going to remain positive. Oh, and one thing I want to add to this podcast. Every week, I'm going to give you guys a fight to watch. We all have those days during the week or even on the weekend where you don't know what to do. You're bored. There's nothing to watch. There's no fights on. There's no sports on. You want to watch boxing, but you don't know which one to watch. So I'm just going to give you a random fight every week. Write it down. Put it in your notes. If you haven't seen these, you're definitely going to want to check them out. This weekend, I'm going to start off with newly minted Hall of Famer Timothy Bradley versus Ruslan Provodnikov. If you haven't seen this fight, it is one of the most brutal fights I have seen in the last 20 years. This is a war. This is a fight that meant a lot to Tim Bradley. I heard in an interview one time, Tim Bradley discussing this fight and said, mind you, this was the first fight since he had the controversial victory over Manny Pacquiao, where most people believed Pacquiao was robbed. And they blamed Tim Bradley to the point that Tim Bradley actually received death threats. Tim Bradley isn't a judge. Tim Bradley is a fighter doing his job. The judges is who should have got the backlash. Anyway, Tim Bradley said he was in a dark place at that time, receiving these these letters and threats and just people questioning his entire career, saying he didn't deserve it, this and that. He said he was in a bad place. He said he felt he needed to prove something to the fans. And boy, did he ever. He left it all in the ring that night. He said he wasn't leaving there without not only a victory, but an exciting performance. He put his life on the line. Tim Bradley, Ruslan Provodnikov, is straight out of a Rocky movie. If you haven't seen this fight, please do yourself a favor. Check it out. The entire fight is on YouTube in good quality on the HBO YouTube page. It's an instant classic. I advise, Even if you have seen it, I advise you, go back and rewatch it. It's loads of fun. That's all I got for you guys this weekend. Thank you guys for listening. Give me that five-star review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. I'll be back next week. Enjoy the fights. I'm out.